Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. God bless you. You can remain standing and take your Bible, if you would, and the Word of God. And turn to the Old Testament, the Old Testament, and the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings will be in chapter 17. I'm glad you're at church this morning, and it's a good group out this morning. I'm thankful for your faithfulness, and uh, you're faithful to God. That's the one you, you want to be faithful to the most, and that's the most important. But it is encouraging to preach to um, you and to, God, to me, and I'm going to ask that God speak to me once again. He's been speaking to me through His Word, and I'm going to continue to ask the Lord to speak to me even this morning as we look at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. By the way, this is the most important time when we open up the Word of God. So I would ask that you follow along with me, please, if you would. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we'll read a few verses here this morning, and we'll look at this chapter this morning. I pray it'll be an encouragement to you. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 says this, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan." I would ask that you bow with me in prayer, please, and ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning as we look to the Word of God, what the Word of God has for us this morning. Lord God, we come to you, we thank you for this time of the service that we can open the Word of God. And Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I thank you that you promised to us that if we hide it in our heart, it'll help us to not sin against you, and it's so important. Lord, that is wondrous, and there's wondrous things in it. Lord, that it's a delight and it's a counselor, unlike any counselor, it's the testimonies that you've given to us. It's to be sweeter than honey. I sure like honey, but I pray that I love the Word of God. Not just like it, but love it. May it penetrate as it's sharper than a two-edged sword. May it pierce through the intents of the heart this morning. It's pure. It cleanses, convicts, it challenges it's worthy of being believed. It's worthy of being kept. Worthy of being studied. And we study to show thyself approved unto you. Lord, I pray that it'll be settled in our heart. You say the word of God is forever settled in heaven. May it take us settling in our heart this morning. May we truly behold wondrous things out of thy law. Grow to love it more. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Would you convert the souls this morning? Would you give us wisdom? Wisdom to the simple. I am one of them. I feel simple this morning before you, and I ask 
that you would just use me in spite of me. May I be dead to myself and alive to you, God. I pray that you speak to each and every heart, the one that's hurting the most and the one that needs help the most, the one that needs you the most. I pray we'll see you today more than anything else. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, life can throw such very, very, very fast curveballs. Whether you're a fan of baseball or not, uh, I would encourage you to be, if you're not, because there's some things that you can learn even from sports, and uh, there's lessons to be learned in sports. How many of you played sports growing up or maybe continue to play sports? Good bit of you. And there's things that you learn, and, and a curveball is unlike any other ball that comes at you. It has a tendency to just kind of drop right at the last second, and it's an extreme and, you know, there's some things that come into our life that seem to be extreme. And matter of seconds and matter of moments and matter of minutes and matter of months and years, life changes. And the contrast of things take place. And the Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, it says that God sends the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And in 1 Kings 17, we have the prophet Elijah in this same chapter, this same man, and a variety of different things he's experiencing. There's a lot of extremes, there's a lot of contrast, there's a lot of things that are happening in his life. Matter of fact, there's so many emotions that Elijah is feeling that he's dealing with, he's just flooded with them. You know, the excitement one moment and then discouragement the next. How many of you have been there? How many of you have been there where you're excited one moment and then it seems as if the next moment you feel as if you're discouraged as discouraged could be and then you get excited again and it's a roller coaster of emotions, feelings and events and sure we all have. And for Elijah in this chapter alone, in just chapter 17, there's a miracle and provision and there's, there's sickness and death. And there's life, and then there's testimony of God's goodness. There's a variety of things taking place in just this one chapter. For Elijah, it's probably very overwhelming. And he feels overwhelming. And he has the questions, and he has the difficulties that have come to him, and, and the excitement and the joy at the same time, and then he has answers to those questions, because there's something very important that Elijah has hewned in on, that has zeroed in on, has focused in on, and I pray that that's the case for us this morning, of the focus being what Elijah focused in on, and we'll see that here shortly. But would you notice, please, with me in verse 1, the contrast here. You have the contrast from verse 1 all the way down to the end of the chapter, verse 23, and verse 1 has the contrast of drought and death, and Elijah goes to Ahab, a wicked king, one of the most wicked kings of the day. And, and Ahab has actually got the record of being the most wicked king up to that time. And even before his time, he, ha he is the most sinful, he's the most wicked, and he's leading his nation in wickedness and sin. And God doesn't put up with that. God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. And God has punishment for uh, Ahab and for the nation and for his wicked wife Jezebel and he uses the man of God, Elijah, to come to Ahab and say, Ahab, you're going to have no dew, no rain for years. A period of three and a half years. In verse 1 it says that Elijah goes to Ahab and says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew, nor rain these years, but according to my word. 
Ahab, because your wickedness, because your sin, because you're serving the false god Baal, because you're leading all the people of Israel to serve in a false way, and you're going after something that has nothing to do with God. By the way, the worst thing we can do is associate things with God that have nothing to do with God. That's the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen for you and I is we have success on our own without God. That's the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing. And Ahab has nothing to do with God at all, and he's very disobedient to God, and God is going to chasten him and his nation, and he's going to experience punishment of drought. But if you're Elijah, would you like to go and talk to Ahab and say, by the way, I mean, he's the king. You're, you're going to have to go before the king. I mean, this is not somebody who is not in, in prominence and, and somebody who is leading all the nation. How difficult would it be and how much confidence and how much courage and how much guts, if I may, and how much stand for God would you have to take as Elijah to go to the king knowing that you are pretty much saying, I'm deliberately attacking the false god Baal, everything you are out to do, everything you are out to, to lead your people in, and the sin that you are, are involving the people that God has made, you're taking them and you are telling them to worship a false god Baal. By the way, Baal was one of the worst images, one of the worst idols that they could ever worship. And there was more wickedness that, that, than I could even explain and, and, and go into detail about and by the way, there's always consequences for a false way. There's always consequences for following a false way. And so Ahab is going to experience this man of God coming to him and saying, Ahab, punishment for your sin, punishment for what you're doing. And then in verse 23, would you jump down there with me? What a contrast here. Verse 1, drought, dew, no rain, death. By the way, as you know, you think about no rain, you think about there's famine, there's starvation, there's struggle, there's difficulty. It's not a pleasant thing. But then you come down to verse 23. Verse 23, and it says, And Elijah, the same man, the same chapter, different circumstance, different event in his life, he took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth is, is truth. What a difference. What a contrast of events. I mean, go from death and drought and no dew and no rain to now life and a life that has been restored and salvation has, has taken place and, and saving has come to this boy and and I picture this, and I, I picture, as, as if you're familiar with this story, this widow woman has a son, and we'll get into some of the details of this in a moment, but he comes down with sickness, and he, and he dies, and then Elijah, the man of God, he pours his heart out to God, and this is the first time it's recorded that a man, the man of God lays on, on this child and just begs and pleads for God to resurrect him and, and, in essence, give him life again and breathe life into him because God is the one who gives and takes and, and He gives us life and He gave us life today. And the breath of air I'm breathing, the breath of air you're breathing is from God Almighty. Amen. And so He gives and He takes. And the first time that it's recorded 
up to this time, and it hadn't even taken place, and Elijah is just pouring his heart out to God and literally laying on, it, on this boy three times over and, and just begging God, please revive this young man. And then God does, and He revives this young man. And so I imagine this, would you imagine this with me? Elijah went up the steps carrying this boy that had no life. But he came down the steps with life in his hands. What a difference. What a contrast. What an extreme. And, 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 and what life shows us with the circumstances that come our way and, and the major curveballs that just kind of drop right at the last second and it's just impossible to hit them. And so what do we do? And when disappointments come, it's, it's when they come. It's not if they come, it's when they come. And, and when, when the heartbreak hits us, and it, then it hits our family. It hits home. It hits with us and it breaks us and we become tender and we're struggling now. Now the difficulty has, has come to, to me, to you, and then what do we do about this? And there's times when we don't even feel like God is in control and is God in control and how do I know He's in control? And the test and the challenge come and then when the test and challenge come, then more questions come. And then we're faced with God. Where are you? God, how come you're letting this happen to me? Or how come you're letting this happen to the people that I love? Or how come, God, are you in control? And I want to tell you this morning, God is in control. And I want you to see this morning, more than anything else, that Elijah believed God was in control, so much so that there's things that just stand out in this passage of Scripture that I hope are emphasized to you this morning by God's help and by God's grace. I pray that it'll take place this morning. And in 1 Kings 17, I believe that this chapter tells us how God is in control. By the way, the whole Word of God does, not just this chapter. But the more difficulty we face, the more circumstances we, we, we face, and when they hit home and they're, they're in our lap and they're in our home and, and we're sitting there with the tears and, and we're begging God to, please God, please God, do something with this and I don't understand why this has to happen to me, to you, to, to whoever it might be this morning that's got the most hurt heart and, and, and most difficult time right now they're facing. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Just this week, I heard of a three-year-old girl with kidney dialysis from a family that doesn't know what's wrong. And, and they, they long how, uh, to know, God, what are you doing? How long does she have to live? And this, she's only three, and, and we're just not sure what's going on with her body. And God, how are you in control? That question can become in our mind, in our heart. And we might not say it audibly, but we might think it in our heart. And deep down, we're wondering, how are you in control? And it, and it hits that family, or hits our family, or... Just this week, a sweet couple told me, one of the sweetest couples I know, they told me, ever since January, I've lost somebody. Every month, there's been somebody they know that's passed away each month. How do you deal with that? How hard is that? How difficult is that? What words do you say to those people? I don't have the words. I don't think you have the words, but we have the Word of God. Because God is in control. And God knows. And just this week, at least 13 knocks on a door took place to a family that now found out that their loved one in the military is gone. 
13 knocks at least. And I'm not trying to paint a pity party, and I'm not trying to get you to, to be sad. I'm trying to get you to think, how is God in control? He is in control. I'm going to show you how He is in the Word of God. But you, you better know yourself, because it's not a matter of when. Excuse me, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And when it's coming to your door, and when it's coming to your living room, and when it's coming to, to you using this same auditorium for a wedding, now a funeral. It's a matter of when, not if. And you better know that God is in control. And you better have a walk with God before that hits. Because you try to wrap your head around it and you try to, to see, what are you doing, God? It's, it's extremely difficult. And I don't know, but I can only feel for those people but they know exactly what they're going through. They know exactly how hard it is to, to not sleep this week and, and to, not, to not get their mind anywhere where they, where they need it to be because they're just trying to wrap their head around, what, what do I do to, to honor this loved one? What do I do to, to, to now have the news that I'm stuck with these children because my husband is dead now because of Afghanistan and because of being over there and, and because of fighting for our country and, and, and the freedom that you and I are enjoying right now? And God is still in control. But it's a lot easier to say, hey, God is in control. But to believe it and to live in it is totally different. Totally different. So how do you and I know that God is in control? Number one, please, this morning we notice 1 Kings 17, 1, it says that he said unto Ahab, how is Elijah able to speak to this man in such a way that he's telling him bad news because he had already heard from God? Number one, the spoken Word of God was enough. The spoken Word of God was enough. I wonder whether I have tissues out there or not up here, but I'm sorry, but you ought to pardon me. Um, but the spoken Word of God is enough. The spoken Word of God is enough. How can Elijah say to this to Ahab and speak the Word to Ahab because he had heard from the Word of God? In James chapter 5, verse 17 in the New Testament, it says Elias, which is Elijah, was a man of God, Subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. Here, I got, I got you. He prayed earnestly. Thank you. Very kind. He prayed earnestly. I don't think you want these back. So I owe you, if I can get into it. This is the time where any preacher would say, you should have had a handkerchief with you. Well, you, you have them with you when you don't cry, and you don't have them with you when you do. So, excuse me. But he prayed earnestly. You know why we don't? We want $10 million answers, but we give 10 cent prayers. Amen. Oh, we want the answer. And I wonder this morning are you begging God for some things? You know, Elijah prayed earnestly. God, these people are doing wickedness. These people are involved in sin. They're serving a false God. God, you can't put up with that. God, I don't like this prayer, but God, you're going to have to bring punishment to them. And punishment at that time, one of the punishments was no drought. I mean, no, no dew, no rain. It was going to be complete drought. But we know at least that Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained on the earth, and we know he got an answer to his prayer. Are you so in tune with God? And I, ask, I have to ask myself this morning, am I so in tune with God that I see God answering my prayers? Oh, I've got to be fervent in my prayers. Oh, I've got to be earnest. And the announcement to Ahab was not an easy one. It took courage. 
And oftentimes what God wants us to do is not easy. It's just not easy. But look what kind of man Ahab was. I mean, this is not a good man. And it actually, chapter 16, verse 30, chapter 16, bump up just from our chapter, verse seven, or chapter 17. Verse 30, it says this, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. What a testimony. Horrible testimony. Verse 33, And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Goodness. What a testimony. So I don't want anything to do with Ahab, neither do I. We think mask and COVID-19 is bad. I'll tell you what's worse is drought. And when things dry up, he's following his own agenda. He's going after a false god. And there's always consequences for following a false way. This is a gratifying act of every flesh and and sinful indulgence you could ever imagine with Baal. And how did Elijah have such confidence? Because he knew God had spoken to him through his word. The courage came because he had spent time with God. Because he had earnestly begged out God. He called out sin for what sin was. Leonard Ravenhill said this, A man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. Intimate with God this morning? Am I intimate with God this morning? How close of a relationship do I have? Well, the spoken word of God is enough. So what God has to say is enough. And, and He says in verse 1, it says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. You know, He realized He stood before Ahab, and He realized He was, he was giving him res- even respect as sinful and as wicked as a king as He was. But He also knew that He was going to stand before God one day, and that judgment was going to be a whole lot more severe than standing in front of a king, Ahab, telling Ahab that no dew, no more rain. And I wonder this morning, what are you and I willing to settle for here on this earth that will bring us embarrassment one day when we do stand before God and the judgment seat of Christ is a real thing. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of of Christ and that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to have done and whether it be good or evil. And as I live, say, Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess. And so then every one of us are going to give an account to God. And your knees and my knees are going to bow right down before God. And, and there's going to be some things I'm going to be embarrassed about. And I'm going to stand before Him and I'm going to wish I did more. I'm going to wish that I had the boldness to witness more. I'm going to wish that I spoke the Word of God with more passion. I'm going to wish that I prayed earnestly like Elijah. And where is the God of Elijah? I pray, where's the God of Tyler? Where's the God of Open Bible? Where's the God of... You put your name in there. Where's the God? It depends on how much you really believe this matter that the spoken Word of God is enough. It's enough. What God has given to me is enough. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, it's enough. Yes, and all, all the 66 books and every word and every, not a, and every jot and every tittle and everything, it's enough and it's there for me and I have the Word of God and it's enough. And so I want to ask you this morning, how identified are we with God? God and His Word, and, and how well are you and I identified? Could we say, where is the God of? And you put your name in there. I put my name in there. I pray that be faithful to that. And, you know, Elijah knew that, yes, this is the king of Israel, but there's a king of kings, and there's a Lord of lords I'm going to stand before one day, and that's way bigger than Ahab. 
Yeah, Ahab, his servants, and Elijah knew that, but it didn't matter as much to serving God. And, And Ahab had greatness, but nothing compared to the greatness of God Almighty. And Ahab had power and control and reign, but nothing to the ultimate rule, the ultimate reign over all the earth. And Ahab's threats, get this, were toothless. Because Elijah's confidence was that if God be for us, who can be against us? See, what God had to say was enough to Elijah. It was enough. There used to be a Prego spaghetti commercial that uh, the mother in the kitchen is actually cooking that spaghetti. And you know, all the smells that come with the right kind of spaghetti sauce. If we have any Italian blood in here this morning, you know what I'm talking about. And I happen to have a little bit, but whether I do or not, I still enjoy Italian food. And so the spaghetti sauce, and you can smell that spaghetti going throughout the kitchen, and that's kind of the way this commercial portrays it. And the little boy comes in, and, and, he, and he says, Hey, Mom, hey mom, is there mushrooms in there? Hey, Mom, do you have sausage in there? Hey, Mom, you do have tomatoes in there, like the real ripe tomatoes, like the, the fresh ones, not just this, you know, sauce and no tomatoes to show for. Because he had... Smelled it. He wanted to taste it real soon. The flavor was permeating throughout the air, and he's getting that, that kick of Italian, like none other kick that Italian can bring. And, and so he's, he's, he's smelling it, and he, and, he, and he just almost tastes it without even putting it in his mouth. And she says, yep, mushrooms are in there. Yep, the sausage is in there. Yep, the tomatoes are in there. And, and everything's in there. Everything's in here. You're looking for victory. It's in the Bible. You're looking for transformation, change. It's in the Bible. You're looking for God's power. By the way, only God's, only the right kind of change is in the Bible. Looking for God's power. It's in there. You're looking for deliverance from the flesh and His pull. It's in the Bible. We must get to the idea that the Word of God is enough for our every need, for my family, for our church, and for every individual in here this morning. Underneath the sound of my voice. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? To experience God in control, we must experience the word of God being enough. One of the wisest men in the Bible, Solomon, as he was building a house of God, God says to him, Hey, concerning this house which thou art building, you've got to walk in my statues, you've got to execute my judgments. You've got to keep my commandments to walk in them, and then will I perform. What do you have to do? You have to walk. You have to execute. You have to keep. And when you do those things, if you're, if you're walking in the Word of God, and you're, you're keeping the, the statues, and you're executing His judgments, then will I perform my Word with thee. We want God's blessing. It can only come God's way. And it only comes through God's Word. Because number two this morning... The Word of God is enough, and the Word of God is sufficient to direct. We have the sufficient Word to direct us. Verse 3, God tells Elijah very precise directions, very specific. Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. He didn't say westward. Much as I love the south, he didn't say south. He didn't say northward. No, only eastward. He didn't say wait around and, 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 uh, and, and, and just see what, see what you think is the right time. No, he said get the hints. 
And he said, by the way, and turn. And he didn't say another brook. He said the brook of Cherith. And by the way, it's the one that's before Jordan. Very direct. Very specific instructions. Directions to follow. And it's important that he be just in the exact place that God wanted him to be. And the Lord was gracious to send him to the brook Cherith because it's going to become a hiding place. And it says that he'll hide himself there. And just like Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He's going to experience God's sufficiency. He's going to experience God's provision. What's so special about the brook Cherith? Well, God has commanded the ravens to, to land there and to feed him. Ravens? Really? Anybody want lunch from ravens this afternoon? What's so special about the brook Cherith? It's a hiding place. God's watching out for Elijah. He's protecting him. God is protecting him from King Ahab and Jezebel who are going after him. They can't stand him right now. They, they don't want nothing to do with him. And matter of fact, they could take his life. They're going to take his life. And God protects him by getting to the brook Cherith. But what if Elijah hadn't gone? Would the blessing still be expected? God is in control, but He wants us to go about it God's way. And may I stop and ask you this morning, just simply this, is the Word of God sufficient enough for you to be directed by it? Is there something recently, is there something in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt, number one, your salvation, but number two, that God's Word is so sufficient to you that He's directing you from His Word. Not from your feelings, not from your emotions, but from His Word. And may I stop and ask you, how are you and I doing to be in the Word of God and not forsake the commandments of God? you realize that if 15 minutes are spent in God's Word each day, you'll have read through the Bible in one year? 30 minutes. Bible in half a year, six months. That's, that's worthy of doing, and the Word's sufficient enough to direct you. And Cherith is a hard place. He's going to have to dwell alone. He's going to get some time with God. And he's going to experience God like he's never experienced him before. He's hidden away from public view. He doesn't have the spotlight. He's not, he's not out in the open. He, he's, high, he's hidden. Hide thyself, Elijah. But by the way, can I tell you this? There's great value to the hidden life. There's great value to the time hidden in a closet, in secret. And when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And in other words... Hidden life, and when thou shut thy door, that's pretty hidden. Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So I want to ask you this morning, how much of you and I are in the hidden life? Do we really believe that His Word is sufficient enough to direct us? Because when you're found faithful in secret, in other words, you're found faithful in even that which is least, you'll be able to be found faithful in that which is much. So what's so special about the brook Cherith? Well, Elijah... God is going to provide to you in miraculous ways. Yes, the ravens. Yeah, you're going to experience from a bird that normally feeds off the flesh of the dead. And they're scavengers, and they're, we would say, ravenous. Uh, and one of the grossest birds, they're unclean, they're detestable scavengers, and they're repulsive. I mean, they have a passion. I don't mean to be gross or, dis or, or disgusting, but it's disgusting what they do. They go, and pick, they go and pick out the eyes of, of, of animals. On the, you see them as you drive. You see them on the side of the road. You're flying down. They're ugly things. Everything they put their beak on is dead or dying. And nobody wants ravens to bring food to them. But Elijah's okay with it. And I just wonder, 
If those same ravens ever went to the table of King Ahab and Jezebel and took some food off of their table and fed Elijah. I don't know. I don't see that in Scripture. But it wouldn't surprise me. God has a sense of humor as well. And the Word is sufficient to direct us, to provide for us. And our sufficiency is to be of God. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So what does He do? He went and did. Why did He do this? Because He realized that God is in control. I'm going to follow God. And you know what? The spoken Word of God is enough for me to go to this King, speak to Him. I don't want to speak to Him, but I'm going to speak to Him about His sin. I'm going to know that God is saying, hence and eastward and the brook Cherith, and, and then give me exact directions from the Word of God. Have you experienced exact directions from the Word of God? If you have, you know that God is in control. And God is in control of your life. Because you are, in essence, allowing God to control you. And you're not just being a hearer of the Word, you're being a doer of it. And then... Lastly, this morning, thirdly, saving word satisfies. You know, God never failed him. God led him on. Even after the brook dries up and, and even after the ravens are done feeding him, God continues to feed him and he never leaves the righteous begging bread. And, and it's, it's a matter that in, in, in Elijah's life at this time, God is going to lead him on. And so that brook dries up. Is God done with him? No. Does it, does it mean that, that God is nowhere to be found? No. God is still in control. And sometimes we feel like that. But it, he says, go to Zarephath. And one of, the, one of the most unusual situations, he tells him to go to a widow and ask a widow for food. And you know the story, but it's, it's an amazing journey because it's many, many miles that he has to go. And I'm, I'm just thinking that maybe Elijah was traveling all those many miles, even up to maybe 100 miles to Zarephath, that he's thinking, I've got to talk to a widow woman? God, can you give me somebody that, that's not a widow? I'm going to ask a widow woman for something she has? I mean, she probably doesn't have much. And in Israel, they were known to provide for the widows, but in Zarephath, they were known to not provide for the widows. So this widow woman is in dire straits. She's on her own, and then she has a son. But God works in mysterious ways, and God likes to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And so the widow woman is worse off, and Elijah, even under the inspiration of God, and God telling him what to do, he, he tells the widow woman, fear not, and you're, it's not going to waste away what you have. And, and so, by the way, I, I, I just can sense, and as I studied for this, I thought about how I would feel if somebody went to my mom right now and asked her for anything. That'd not be easy. That'd be difficult. She's a widow. I know there's widows here this morning, but God is in control, and it's amazing because God uses Elijah, the widow woman, the son, the ravens, Zarephath, Cherith, all these things to say, I'm in control. God is in control. And, and so Elijah follows his will, and God works amazing ways, and he works a miracle of multiplication because God's miracle work is multiplication. You, know, you remember David in the sling. I mean, killed Goliath. He didn't have much. You, you remember uh, creation. God took nothing and made everything. I mean, you remember Moses had a shepherd's staff, and in the hand of God parted the sea. And you remember a little boy had five loaves and, and two fish, but in the hand of God it fed a multitude. So if it's three years estimated, that's 3,000 meals that now God is going to provide for this widow woman and for her son and for Elijah. 
Because once you put it in the hand of God, whatever you have, it's amazing what God can do with it, but you have to be willing. And this widow woman thought she was going to die. She said, this is it. I'm going to die, and this is my last meal. In essence, I don't even have enough to make a meal. Not even enough to make a cake. And she followed God and and His will, and it was a test. The curveball continued to drop and land. But it was not only a test for Elijah, it was only a test for the widow woman, it wasn't only a test for the son, but I believe that it's a test of faith in all of them. And the test when the dead boy is is now the widow's test, and, and would God provide? Yes, God was in control. And would you please notice with me this? After Elijah prays in this amazing prayer, and he's laid on this boy, and he comes back to life, and after they've seen him provide in the food and all that's taking place, would you notice, please, verse 24? And this is what I want you to, to just really think about this morning. Lastly, as we close this morning, it says, And the woman said to Elijah, after all this has happened, and she's been with Elijah, she's seen all this take place. She's been under conviction, and she's actually even at one point questioned Elijah and said, did God bring you here to, to cause my, my, my sorrow, to, to maybe think about my sin? And everybody responds to difficulty different. And at that point in her life, she, she thought, God, God brought this man of God to me, to now my son is dead, and now he is gone, and maybe is it because of my sin? And Elijah tells her, fear not, and, and, and it's... And God is in control, in essence, what he's saying. Because Elijah knew God was in control. And, he says, and then it says in verse 24, The woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know, that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And I want to ask you this morning, I know, beneath the sound of my voice, that there's men, women, boys and girls that are children of God. But do you know you can be a child of God and never a man of God? You can be a child of God and not a woman of God. You know, you can be a teen and not a teenager for God. You know, you can be a child of God, but not living for God as a child. How did this woman know that he was a man of God? Because he was trusting God was in control. And he had shown his faith, and his faith was evidence. Things not seen, and faith that works is dead. But his faith was alive, and his faith was alive in Jesus Christ. And so God was in control not only to bring the spoken Word of God being enough, not only to to see that it was a matter of the sufficient Word of God directs, but the saving Word of God satisfies. And it satisfies. And so I want to ask you this morning, many are the children of God, but where are the men and women of God? Where are the teens of God? It will only be shown by the fact that I believe without any doubt. God said it. I'm going to trust it. I have His Word. I have everything I need. God is in control. And I'm thankful that God is in control this morning. Would you bow with me, please, in prayer? Lord God, I pray that the spoken Word is enough. Because You said it, we'll believe it. I pray that it is sufficient to direct us and that we'll apply, apply the Word of God to our own life. I pray that we'll see the satisfaction that comes through the saving Word of God. And there be someone this morning right now, I need the sound of my voice, that does not know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. The greatest decision you can possibly make is a decision to be saved. To call upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
whosoever shall call upon Him the Lord shall be saved. By the way, the Word of God is written so that we would believe on the Son of God that we can know that we have eternal life. And it takes believing on the Son of God. The spoken Word of God is enough. And I want to ask you this morning, as your heads are bowed, as your eyes are closed, are you a man, a woman of God because you have a walk with God? Am I a man of God because I have a walk with God? Oh, yeah, I'm a child of God, but am I a man of God because I have a walk with God? Does it show that God's in control? Through the worst of times, the extremes are coming. The contrasts are there. Life, death, drought, resurrection. As the piano plays, would you stand with me, please? And we'll open up the altar. The altar is a place for prayer and also a place to thank the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, if you need to make a decision with God, this is a great place to make that decision with God. Would you come to an altar and ask God to speak to you through His Word? That you would be satisfied enough with the Word of God, that you would be directed by the Word of God, and it would be sufficient. The altar's open. Maybe you'd like to thank God for His Word. Just thank you, God, for the Word of God. Thank you that I have it. There's people in this world that still do not. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest decision you can make this morning is to trust Him. And we'd be glad to help you. We'd love to have the opportunity to do so. And all you need to do is just come to the front here and we'll have a man with a man and a lady with a lady. Talk to you and show you from the Word of God what the Word of God has to say about salvation. The greatest decision you could possibly ever make. Don't hold back. We know not what a day may bring forth. I pray this morning as a church that we are satisfied with the Word of God enough. Because God is in control. He's given us the Word of God. It is what we need. It's all that we need. May it be sufficient. May we go based upon the spoken Word of God speaking in our life even this morning. I pray the Word of God has been rightly divided. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.